0: On the brink of World War III and your president has promised $100 million to terrorists but also can't get through a press conference with world leaders without note cards probably written by a green haired gender studies intern. Feel safe? Me either. The show starts now. Well this week, our president and his kitty stairs traveled to Israel to meet with world leaders, many of whom canceled on him like a bad Tinder date. But don't worry, he was still able to embarrass us with the time and the people he had left.
1: You know, uh, years ago I asked the Secretary of State when he and I were working in the Senate to write something for a man, he said uh, he wrote a line that uh, I think is appropriate, he said uh, it's not, we lead, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it, I'll wait later, I'm taking too much time. But the point is this, that uh, um, I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, we got
2: to overcome a lot of things.
0: The other team? The other team is Alabama when you're rooting for Tennessee. The other team is the Astros when you're rooting for the Rangers. The other team is not Hamas terrorists. They aren't a team. They are uncivilized terrorists. This is how the United States is presenting itself to the world and it's pathetic and it's dangerous. But this is exactly what we get when we elect a president by mail. I will say this, even Fumble Bumble Mumble Boy over there was smart and honest enough to dispel the lie that Israel blew up a Palestinian hospital. As for your Hamas caucus, oh, not so much. Continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital
2: with children You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos. and. And the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry. And they're shaking. And somebody you know this, they keep telling them not to cry in Arabic. They did they can cry. I can cry. We all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. And so I'm telling you right now, President Biden, not all America's with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. We are literally, literally watching people commit genocide and killing a vast majority just like this, and we still stand by and say nothing. We will remember this, but all of you, you need to know. I swear to God, by Allah, you are on the right side of history. You are you're doing everything possible to say!
0: hysterical tears over the false narrative that Israel bombed a hospital when in reality that bombing occurred courtesy of the Neanderthals of Hamas. Nice to see some emotion from her though given last week she wouldn't even respond when confronted about the babies murdered by Hamas. But ever since the Hamas terror attack on Israel on October 7th we've been given a clear picture of who among us is a terrorist sympathizer and sadly but very unsurprisingly some of those people are serving in the United States Congress of all places. The Hamas caucus is alive and well in the halls of Congress, no doubt inspiring the insurrection on the Capitol yesterday. You know, it is illegal to protest inside a Capitol building, but even though some arrests were made, something tells me these people will not be thrown in the gulag for 15 years because of it. Just a wild guess. These people claim they want a ceasefire and demand Israel follow a proportional response directive against Hamas. Proportional response would be raping, abducting, and brutally slaughtering civilians. The IDF isn't and wouldn't do that, you see. But with 100 million of your U.S. tax dollars going to fund a humanitarian effort in Gaza, don't be surprised if Israel is attacked again. You don't negotiate with or fund terrorists, but that's the Biden way. Going now to break down the complexities of all this and give us the cold, hard truth of it all is former FBI agent, author, and counterterrorism expert, John Guandolo, John, right when I saw this happen on October 7th, you're the first person that I thought of, and I am very interested in your take on all of it. All of it. So walk us through what was going through your mind and what you can tell us that the average American might not be aware of.
1: Well, thank you. And thanks again for having me back on. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. I think what seems to be helpful when I share with people about what's going on in Israel are, are a few foundational pieces that then help uh, the discussion uh, build from there and let me let me begin with this so who is Hamas so Hamas besides being a designated foreign terrorist organization by the United States and many other countries Hamas is an inherent part of a larger organization called the International Muslim Brotherhood that was created in the 1920s in Egypt, with the sole purpose of building a global Islamic state under Allah's divine law, Sharia, and the vehicle for doing that is what they call jihad or holy war. So that's the that's the starting point here. I think the next point is, if we look at uh, the Hamas network, in Israel, Gaza, uh, and the Muslim Brotherhood, because they're they're the same, Hamas is a division of the Muslim Brotherhood. The network in the United States, the Hamas Muslim Brotherhood network, is significantly larger here than in that area, significantly. And I have had uh, discussions over the years with individuals I don't consider— friendly to the United States, like military officers from Pakistan, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, who have told me their assessment is the Muslim Brotherhood Network in the United States is far more intricate and well-coordinated here than it is in their countries. And I would agree, and I have agreed uh, for years. So that's the start. Now, let's look, let's just do a, I'll do a little bookend and then we can go whichever direction you'd like to go. Back in the 1990s and the early 2000s, you had the senior Hamas Muslim Brotherhood leader in the United States, Abdurrahman Alamudi, working for eight years for President Clinton and then in the George W. Bush campaign. He got sentenced in 2004 to 23 years in federal prison because he was an Al Qaeda financier. And by the way, he also created the Muslim Chaplain Program for the Department of Defense was a goodwill ambassador for the State Department, and was well entrenched inside the U.S. government. Fast forward 25 years, and you've got uh, a guy like Farouk Mitha and a group called Engage, E-M-G-A-G-E, which is Hamas in the United States. Farouk Mitha was the Islamic advisor to Joe Biden's campaign. The not sure why a president needs an Islamic advisor, but apparently they do. And... M. Gage held a fundraiser for Joe Biden before the election. And he spoke at that conference and he said, I'm going to do my best to get as many of you into my administration. So let's just look at the facts of who's who in the zoo. You've got a massive Hamas Muslim Brotherhood network in the United States. The largest Islamic charities in America are Hamas Muslim Brotherhood. The largest Islamic charities in Europe are Hamas Muslim Brotherhood. And inside the government, you have Hamas Muslim Brotherhood operatives writing policy for the Department of Defense, for three- and four-star generals, uh, inside military war colleges, teaching, uh, and you name it, across the board, uh, at the national security staffs inside of Congress in the form of groups like Islamic Society of North America, U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations, and others. But because they're in suits, somehow they're not as dangerous. But they are far more dangerous because they're driving U.S. national security policy, foreign policy, domestic terrorism policy, fiscal policy, all kinds of stuff. And by the way, as a side note, including the attacks on 9 11, this Hamas Muslim Brotherhood network in the United States has given direct support to almost 100% of every terrorist attack in the United States from 9-11 and including 9-11 to today.
0: That's a lot of background information a lot of people are unaware of. Always thank you for giving us the history on that. You know, you and I have talked about this many times over the years, that if these countries, Hamas, you know, any terrorist organization, they couldn't confront the United States head-to-head militarily because we would destroy them, we would turn their regions into glass. But they can destroy us from within by infiltrating slowly, but surely that's how they make their advances. And couple that that's already been in place, as you mentioned, for decades. Uh, And then you also add in our wide open southern border. I think there's a recipe for disaster there. I'm also gonna go out on a limb and venture to guess, John, that you were not surprised to see all of these pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine protests and demonstrations that have been occurring over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you at all to see the sheer numbers of Americans who are willing to go out in the street and support these organizations.
1: No, not at all. the way Hamas attacked Israel, uh, the brutality, that is normative for them. Uh, and of course, we see mainstream Islamic groups, uh, the most prominent in the United States, supporting them, which of course they are required to by their own law to do that. We see all of these protests uh, in the United States and also happening in other parts of the world uh, in support of this and and led by U.S. politicians who are giving uh, direct aid and comfort to enemy and materially supporting terrorism, and so the question is, uh, it's a redundant or rhetorical question. Uh, what will Justice Department do? They'll they'll do nothing because the majority of their lawyers and the Attorney General themselves are uh, complicit with the communist movement, and the jihadi movement in the United States. So we're not going to see anything. We see Director Ray recently saying of the FBI. Uh, they're going after domestic terrorists and oddly enough the kinds of things he's describing he's talking about Patriots. they have no no desire to do anything about the massive terrorist network in the United States nothing And so Americans need to understand but but I want to go back to your point the when I mention that that these individuals primarily in the United States, even though these networks here, give direct support to terrorism, and they've killed Americans here in the United States. Muslim Brotherhood Hamas organizations have killed thousands of Americans. I see these figures where people say, well, Hamas really hasn't killed anyone in the United States, or they've killed four people. That is absolute BS. That is a complete lie. They directly gave direct support to 9-11 terrorists who killed almost 3,000 people. They have given direct support to attacks like Fort Hood, uh, the Boston Marathon bombings, the Chattanooga attack, which killed four Marines and a Navy sailor, and many, many more. So this idea that Hamas has not killed anybody or a very small number in U.S. soil is garbage. Uh, that's the the piece of it. But to your point, just because they wear suits doesn't mean they're not doing massive damage. You the phrase right there, destroying us from within. Information warfare is the primary way they're doing this. These uh, protests, people showing up with uh, thousands of pre-made signs uh, on a moment's notice, this is very well coordinated. And the intelligence we have is last week, Hamas in the United States was raising a ton of money, not only for the jihad overseas, but here in the United States. So they are ramping up, and as brazen as they are, when you can have members of Congress, uh, other prominent people, professors, openly giving um, support to terrorist groups with not, no response from the U.S. government, that should be all the evidence the American people need to show that their government is targeting them and giving free reign, whether it's at the border or elsewhere, to the, these hostile movements.
0: I also want to ask you about you know, some of the narratives that have been swirling in the media. It's that these people that are out on the streets that want to cease fire, that they are not pro-Hamas, they are simply pro-Palestinian, pro-free Palestine, this movement is nothing new. But there are some that try to make that distinction, well these people, they're not for Hamas, they're not for terror, they're for something else. I know that you are a scholar of understanding radical Islamic terrorism, understanding the, the way that this religion operates in the Middle East. So please take us through that and the dis, this distinguishment or, or whatever it is between free Palestine, which is what some of these people are saying, and being just blatantly pro-Hamas, pro-terror, anti-Israel, anti-Christian.
1: So let me start with this, and I've I found this helps people kind of turn the light bulb on. Uh, If you can imagine one of these people who are pro Hamas uh, and they are, whether they even understand that or not, and and you have bad guys handing them something and they're holding it and then they tell them when to let go and they let go and they can do that all day long. Well, if they don't know what they're actually doing is dropping a mortar down a tube that's landing in my position, you're the enemy, whether you intend to be or not, whether you want to be or not. You are, and whether it's because you are a true believer, you are so dumb that you're allowing yourself to be used, or some other reason, you are still acting on behalf of the enemy. That makes you an enemy. And so we begin the conversation there. If you don't know that the entire the the this entire endeavor. That's now gone for decades about quote Palestine and Palestinians was created by the International Brotherhood to be a uh, a launch point for them and a friction point to recruit jihadis to raise money and to go after Israel and the broader West. The fact that people standing in these protests don't know that people don't know that Hamas. Kills Palestinians because they don't give a crap about them. In Saudi Arabia, in Jordan, and in other countries, these people who we call Palestinians are third, fourth, fifth-class citizens. That's a that's a known fact in the Muslim world. And so the idea that it's about their rights—the people that are killing Israelis and fighting us in Europe, in whatever way they're fighting us in North America. They don't give a rip about the Palestinians. That is an issue that raises them money, jihadis, and advances their cause, because it gets dumb, easily manipulated people to join their cause and think they're doing something good. And I don't doubt that there are people at these rallies who sincerely believe they're they're fighting for human rights. But again, just because you don't know that that mortar you're dropping in the tube is headed our way, the way of patriots or good people, that's your problem, not mine, but you're an enemy and you need to be dealt with.
0: There's also been, in and, and watching these interviews, um, yesterday I was on with Piers Morgan and the guest before me was the ambassador to Palestine and they had a very long discussion and Piers asked him over and over and over again to denounce this attack on Israel on October 7th, asked him over and over and over again, and he really wouldn't say it. He wouldn't say it directly. He would say things like, We, nobody wants civilians to be hurt. We don't believe in civilians being hurt. But he would not directly say that it was wrong for Hamas to attack Israel and attack Israeli and Jewish civilians and citizens what can you tell me about that and and beyond that when we hear some of these activists in the United States being asked about the atrocities it seems that a lot of them in a roundabout way will not answer the question directly same thing it feels very similar their responses their reactions their inability to denounce what happened is there a common thread here or is that just a coincidence
1: uh no there's a very common thread so all the jihadi groups uh, and the Islamic movements, the Muslim Brotherhood, Tablighi Jamaat, Jamaat Islami, uh, Al Qaeda, Islamic State, Hezbollah, Hamas, the nation states, Iran, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, uh, they all tell us very clearly that uh, Allah's divine law, Sharia, uh, mandates that uh, Muslims wage jihad to establish an Islamic state over the whole earth until Sharia is imposed on every human being. Uh, Islamic law further states that it is uh, the Israel and the Jews must be obliterated. It must be Holocausted. Um, that's normative, universally taught Islamic law. I can show you a, a textbook from Nashville, Tennessee in an Islamic school, well all the Islamic schools uh Dallas, Texas, where I live, uh, Wichita, Kansas, um, you know, Fairfax, Virginia, Miami, Florida, or any, you know, Paris or Rota, Spain, the Islamic schools there, what they teach 10-year-olds. And it says the same thing. And here's here's something for your audience to maybe wrap wrap their minds around. It's a capital crime in Sharia for a Muslim to teach another Muslim something about Islam that's not true. It's obligatory in Islamic law for Muslims to lie to non-Muslims. If that advances Islam, that's normative, universally taught Islam, you're not going to find a textbook uh, that's used to teach Muslims that says anything different than, honestly, what al-Qaeda, ISIS, and uh, Hamas teach. And that's, that's the point. So in the same vein, to say that what Hamas did was wrong is to say that what Allah said and what Muhammad, the perfect example of a man in Islam, did uh, is wrong. And that's a capital crime in Islam as well. So that's why they won't do it. They will never do it. And I'll leave you uh, uh, on this point with this one thought. I had a colonel sit in on one of my briefings several years ago when I was still working for the Department of Defense. And after he got the briefing about the networks, about Sharia, his last assignment was to basically be the liaison for the branch of service he was in to all of these tribal leaders. And he said, we could always get them to walk right up to the line, but they'd never step over. And he said, now that I understand what basic Sharia teaches, which I didn't know, and he said, and I'm embarrassed to say that now i understand they will never do that and so this idea that we want a ceasefire that's because these people want israelis killed and the enemies of hamas and the jihadi movement to maintain whatever they have that's why they're doing this that's all that's the only reason
0: so what would you suggest that israel the united states do in response to what's happening now do you think Israel's is within its rights to go and do what they're doing launch you know a, a ground front into Gaza? What do you think is the best circumstance to root out Hamas to minimize civilian casualties but to to advance some kind of good in the region or at least for Israel to protect and defend itself? What does that look like to you?
1: Well, first of all, if we talk about what does it take to defeat the enemy and I'm I know you' you and I have had these discussions before. We haven't actually defeated an enemy, uh, you know, in the last uh, 80 years, probably World War II and and maybe Desert Storm. But other than that, um, we've we've tried to uh, uh, win without offending anyone. Um, So that's the first problem. But if we look at what they follow and they unequivocally say that they fight war based on how Sharia the Quranic concept of war, which, by the way, is a book that they publish and is used to train uh, Islamic soldiers in many Islamic countries. But Sharia tells them how to fight wars. So then you have to look at what's the defeat mechanism. And Sharia says when they have the ability and the resources to fight jihad, they must. And that's why we saw, by the way, quick 10 seconds when Saudi Arabia started getting oil money in the 60s, 50s, 60s, we started seeing hijackings and acts of what we called terror, which were acts of jihad, and then many things in the late 60s, early 70s, with them attacking Israel. So in order to use their own doctrine understand what's their defeat mechanism, they have to be made to feel completely defeated. So if you want to completely defeat it, you eradicate the Hamas Muslim Brotherhood networks in the United States and Europe and the Middle East, certainly in Israel. There's a very strong Muslim Brotherhood Hamas network in Israel that the Israelis are leaving in place. So they have to be obliterated. The Al Qaeda networks have to be obliterated. The people financing them have to be dealt with lawfully, but I would say they need to be obliterated. And until the enemy feels obliterated. This was our, you know, when we briefed four-star generals and former uh, national security advisors, you know, within the first three years after 9-11, and they were asked, what should we do? We said, well, if you look at what their doctrine says, the only thing they're going to understand is you cannot just chase al-Qaeda in the deserts of Afghanistan. You need to obliterate uh, the people in Saudi Arabia that train them, Saudi intelligence. Destroy them. Obliterate them. Go to Iran and destroy them because they directly supported the 9-11 attacks. Go to Pakistan. Pakistani ISI directly supported the 9 9- Obliterate them. Let them feel the force instead of, well, that, you know, the State Department doesn't think that's a good political move. Well, then in the next 20 years, we're going to have it handed to us. And guess what? Here we are because our leaders were such cowards and so willing to intentionally not understand this enemy, this is where we are.
0: Last question for you and kind of going along with that, John, uh, how close do you think we are in the United States as it sits today, having some kind of a major terror event? And that's beyond just the stuff that's always going on under the scenes, but something that's actually some kind of a big 9-11 style event where our homeland is attacked from within or, or from the outside. Do you think we're edging closer? And if so, how close do you think we are?
1: Well, certainly all the indicators are, are pointing that way. Our own uh, intelligence networks here in the United States uh, reveal that uh, both what you've seen publicly uh, by the prominent Islamic organizations that are Hamas, like Students for Justice in Palestine, MGAGE, uh, Council on American Islamic Relations, but also others. You know, ICNA, ISNA, Muslim American Society, all these groups that are standing, uh, that refuse to denounce the attacks on Israel, standing firm behind Hamas, and brazenly lying uh, in the last week that all of a sudden, all these Muslims in the United States are being persecuted. There are all these bigoted, racist crimes. This is complete garbage. There's no factual data. to, But again, it's propaganda because they're building the case that they have to defend themselves. But here's what I say. You know, they, they're they flying uh, the, the black flag of Jihad for the first time in history over the Imam Reza Mosque in Iran. Uh, international leaders are pointing towards, if you know how to hear what they're saying, uh, that the time is, is either now or in the immediate future. We see them fundraising here in the United States in the last eight to 10 days. Uh, not only for the jihad overseas, but here in the United States. And they're taking these uh, actions that lead me to believe. But I would say they don't have to do anything. They're already working in the Biden administration. They're working in Congress. They're at the DHS. You've got The top two leaders at the FBI hugging them and falling all over them. You've got the CIA and the State Department. They are running the show there. It's it's embarrassing. Those are the two worst organizations in our government. But they're also at the Treasury Department. They're at the Department of Justice. They're in uh, all kinds of organizations that are working uh, with the U.S. military, with the uh, other parts of the government. They're working. Just yesterday, hamas had a Muslim day at the state capital in Pennsylvania. You know, they don't need to do much uh, in the term of violence, but they will because the call's gone out and some within that community are gonna uh gonna do it. Now, whether it's multiple individual acts of jihad, whether it's coordinated attacks, which what we're seeing point to more coordinated attacks, uh, I would expect to see that. I don't necessarily expect a 9-11 attack. But to see a dozen uh, suicide bombers across the United States, uh, we've already had just uh, two days ago, out in Long Beach, California, vehicular jihad. And the police, based on sources I have on the ground, were told you can't say a word about this because a jihadi killed people by driving his vehicle intentionally uh, into other vehicles and killing people. We have other acts of jihad in the in Europe. We now have the event two, day, or, uh, two days ago in Brussels. You've got the uh, uh, killing in France. These things are on the rise and they're gonna continue to rise because they're doing what they're commanded to do.
0: So in closing, to summarize kind of all the information that you've given us, if the American people wanna understand what's going on, have a deeper understanding of the threat and our enemy, it would be wise to study up on Islam and the teachings of Islam and Sharia to fully understand what we're dealing with. Is that a correct thing for me to say?
1: I think if you don't understand Islamic law, none of this can make sense. None of it. And, uh, you know, when I wrote the book, Islam's Deception, The Truth About Sharia, it's literally written to demonstrate how since 9-11, and really before, but since 9-11, the United States in the civilian government the military government has been totally off their their war game. And the work I do, you know, at Johnguandolo.com is is to continue to just educate and if people want, you know, the, what I've experienced is that uh, most Americans are still not in enough pain to really want to get trained and actually fortify their counties and their neighborhoods. And that's fine. Um I feel like in many areas it's too late, Uh, but there are a lot of areas around the United States it's not too late and there's a lot you can do, but we're going to win this war at the local level. But you have to understand the jihadi movement, the communist movement and what you can do at the local level and how to find individuals and organizations in your neighborhood that are jihadis and communists, and how they're working together.
0: John, thank you, as always, for giving us the lesson on this. I mean, you have been the foremost counterterrorism expert, and I have leaned on you many times throughout the years. And I would encourage people that want to get more information to go to johnguandolo.com to get your books, to read up on what you've been doing and the signs that you've been giving people. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much for always bringing the truth, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Alright, moving on now from the heaviness and the horrors of the week, it's time for my final thoughts and my losers of the week. Let's put another heavy week behind us and have a laugh, shall we? First up on my list this week is an Australian man who valiantly boxed a jacked kangaroo that was choking his dog. Take a look, and then I'll explain why this man made my list.
2: I'm going to punch your head in. Look at my dog.
0: (laughs) So, listen. If a kangaroo, or any person or animal for that matter, was attacking or harming one of my dogs, you bet I would have reacted like that, and you bet I would do whatever I could to save my dog. It's the filming thing that's really throwing me off. If my dog was moments away from being suffocated and drowned by a kangaroo, the last thing that would cross my mind would be, let me make sure I whip out a camera and record it. I don't know if this was staged or this man just really valued the content perhaps more than his dog, but either way, I'm calling BS on this and I don't buy it because something ain't right here. But speaking of things that are not right and unnatural, my next losers of the week are the student protesters of Clemson University who staged a protest due to the removal of tampons from the men's restroom. These confused idiots held up signs that read, de menstruation, and hello, this is the 21st century. Hello, nincompoops. I don't care if it's the 21st century or the 31st century. Men do not need tampons because men do not have periods. Nobody on your campus is stigmatizing menstruation. It's just simply asinine to put tampons in the men's restroom. My God, I never thought I'd have to say that. Our forefathers fought for freedom and independence. Our grandfathers stormed the beaches of Normandy. And today's young men are either fighting to compete in women's sports or to have tampons in their restrooms. How far we have fallen indeed. Speaking of a sign of the times, my final loser this week is whoever decided to poop on the floor of the airplane lavatory, forcing the entire flight to be canceled. Yes, an EasyJet flight already delayed over three hours was canceled altogether after a passenger pooped on the bathroom floor.
2: Rather insane to dedicate the front toilet. So we're now staying the night here. We're now gonna get everyone off and you're gonna spend pieces in organised hotels and then we'll fly back tomorrow morning. So we're playing on the plane, sit in this buses and then we go home tomorrow.
0: What in the hell is going on with the human race? And why are we as a collective unable to get our SHIT together on airplanes? Finally, we aren't forced to mask on airplanes. And what do y'all do with that little bit of freedom we've been given back? You poop on the floor or down the aisles or you see mother effers who are not real. Humans have gone feral, rabid, wild, uncontrollable. And I just don't know how else to put it. So I'll just leave it at that. From Nashville, God bless and take care.